Greetings, brethren. Welcome to the Day of Atonement 2022. And this is a fast day, as you know. This is one of the most important feast days of God because this takes place just before the millennium begins. So we have the meaning of atonement that is given here, Leviticus 23 and Leviticus 16. We will cover that. However, just like all the holy days, all of them have prophetic meaning. And the prophetic meaning is not on display in Leviticus 23 or Leviticus 16. And we will see that the understanding of the main part of Leviticus 16 is clear at the end. So there's a lot of things that have to be put together. Let's begin with Leviticus 23, verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now, another thing that's always important, the words of God are true. And the words of God, as we speak them in teaching, have got to be according to what God has given. And so we need to keep this in mind as we go through the Day of Atonement here. Also, in the tenth day of the seventh month is the Day of Atonement. It shall be a holy convocation to you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire. Now, afflict your souls also means to fast. We will see that afflict, humble, fast, and cleanse are all part of the Day of Atonement. Verse 28, you shall do no work in that same day, for it is the Day of Atonement in order to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. Now listen to this next verse. This is very careful here. Because you see, this fasting applies to everyone individually and to the whole congregation collectively. And this we do together. So God says, this is so important in fasting. For whosoever will not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. And to be cut off means that God's blessings have been withdrawn. And whoever does any work on that same day the same one I will destroy from among his people. So those are pretty strong words. We have no other, no other place in the Bible that it comes on quite as strong as this. 
in declaring it twice. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings, everywhere. Now, that's what it's going to apply to the whole world before the millennium begins. Verse 32. It shall be to you a Sabbath of rest, and you shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at sunset. From sunset to sunset, you shall keep your Sabbath. And of course, from sunset to sunset means every Sabbath is kept from sundown to sundown, sunset to sunset. Okay? Now, the Day of Atonement is particularly important. And the timing is particularly important because God emphasizes it in the way that he does here so that everyone, all of Israel, and for us, each of us individually and in all church combined, will be fasting together for God. So this become very important. Now, he also said that you shall make an offering by fire. Okay? Down in verse 27. So today, you know, we take up offerings instead. So at this time, we'll go ahead and take a pause, and we will take up the offering, and then after that, we'll continue on with the Day of Atonement. Thank you, brethren, for your offering and your tithes and offerings. In every instance, you send them, and we use them to serve the brethren, to preach the truth, and to make God's word clear and available to everyone. Now, let's come to a detailed explanation of what was to happen on the Day of Atonement. And we will see some very important things as we go along. And then we will also see a mystery. And none of those are explained in Leviticus 16. Now, this is really important because this is the only day of the year that the high priest went into the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle or temple. And he could not approach God until he offered a sin offering for himself and all the rest of the priest and a burnt offering which shows complete dedication to God. So God starts with the high priest and then goes down the line 
to all the rest of the children of Israel. But you cannot cleanse the people until you cleanse first the high priest and all the Levites. And so the first part of Leviticus 16 covers that. So let's come to Leviticus 16 and verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord, what did they offer? They offered strange fire. Now, here's a big lesson for us to learn. We must adhere to the words of God. There is no room for a substitute. There is no room for personal opinion. The word of God must be preached in truth and honesty always. Verse 2, And the Lord spoke to Moses, Speak to Aaron, your brother, that he does not come at all times into the sanctuary within the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, so that he does not die. Now think about that for a minute. What is the wages of sin? Death. Well, if you come into the presence of God without doing it his way, especially on the Day of Atonement, it will be death instantly. Now then, The priest had another practice. On the Day of Atonement, the priest would also be bound around his waist with a rope. And the rope would extend out past the entrance of going into the Holy of Holies. Now they did this in case the priest did something wrong in the Holy of Holies and was killed by God for his sin. And that's one thing that's missing today. People do not take God for what he says. They want to have their own ideas, their own interpretations. So here on the Day of Atonement, We must follow everything exactly and see what they did at the temple. Then we will see how this applies to us and how it applies to the church and how it applies to the world and how it applies to the whole problem of sin. For I will appear in a cloud over the mercy seat. Aaron shall come into the sanctuary this way, not to come any other way, with a young bull for a sin offering, a ram for a burnt offering, and he shall put the holy linen on the linen coat, and he shall have the linen breeches on his flesh, and shall be girded with linen girdle, and with the girdle miter he shall be dressed. These are holy garments, 
and he shall wash his flesh with water and put them on. All right. Now we will see this is for the forgiveness of sin for the priest and the priesthood so that God could deal then with them and that they then could deal with the people. Now here's the thing that it caused a lot of problems. The two goats. So let's read them. Let's read what it says according to God's instruction and find out how they were to approach God. Now, this is very unusual, so let's read on, verse 5. And he shall take from the congregation of children of Israel two kids of the goat for a sin offering, one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his young bullock for the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself, and for his house. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Okay? At the door of the tabernacle. So here you have, this is the first door. You don't go into the holy place, which is next, or into the holy of holies, which is the inner part. And Aaron shall cast lots on the two goats. Now listen carefully to this. One lot for the Lord, the other lot for Azazel. And that's where the mystery comes. What is Azazel? Who is Azazel? All right. Let's ask the question first. Since many people believe that both of these goats represent Jesus in the prophetic and literal fulfillment, why then is there a casting of lots? If they both represented symbolically Jesus Christ and what he would do why cast lots we'll get to Azazel a little bit but it's not only a name of high ranking demon it's probably a name of Satan the devil And Azazel means the one to depart. Now, we'll look at that in a little bit. There's a special reason why it has it that way. And we will see. And the answer we find in the rest of the Bible. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the 
Lord's lot fell and offer it for a sin offering. Okay. Now, all offerings for sin are sacrificed. But notice this. Verse 10. But on the goat which the lot fell for Azazel, he shall present alive before the Lord. Now, why alive? What is the meaning of that? To make atonement upon it and send it away into the wilderness for Azazel. Now, when it was removed, it was removed away from all people. Now, we'll see the significance of that a little, little bit later. Now, after he makes the atonement for himself and for his household, verse 15, then she, he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil. Now, that's the only time that the sin offering for the people is brought inside the Holy of Holies. And he shall do with the blood as he did with the blood of the young bullock and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. Okay? And he shall make an atonement. Now listen carefully. Let's understand what happens with this offering of the goat as a sin offering and the sprinkling of the blood. And he shall make an atonement for the sanctuary, everything there at the temple area, because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, all of their uncleanness, all of their sins, and because of their transgressions in all their sins. Now circle the word all. Let's ask a question. If the sin offering is offered and the blood is sprinkled in the Holy of Holies for the remission of these sins or covering these sins and all their transgressions, Let's read that again. And because of their transgressions in all their sins. Now we're going to see this goat with the sacrifice is a type of Christ. And when we have our sins forgiven, before God the Father in heaven above through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Our sins have been forgiven. And he shall do for the tabernacle of the congregation which remains with them in the midst of the congregation. And there shall no man 
be in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goes to make atonement in the sanctuary until he comes out and has made atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the congregation of Israel. Clean sweep of all sin. All laid upon the goat that was slain. Now then, we come to the other goat. And how do we answer that? Well, we need to understand about sin, so we'll examine about sin, and we need to understand about Satan the devil. And we need to understand how, even today, we're confronted with things that are sin, though we're not directly participating in them, but we are affected by them. Verse 20, And when he has made an end of reconciling the sanctuary and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. The only place where a live goat is brought to have sins confessed over him. Now, since all the sins have already been forgiven to the priesthood, to the high priest, to the Levites, and to the people, they've already been forgiven, covered by the blood of the goat that was slain, and the blood was sprinkled in the Holy of Holies, directly to God. Now, why the live goat? And this is the mystery. Some people say, it's Jesus who takes our sins away. Well, if our sins have been forgiven, they've already been removed, right? So why lay upon the live goat and not kill it for a sin offering? All the sins of the people, too. Question, are there sins that we do that Satan interferes in our life? And we sin, and he's the author of sin, we'll find out. Yes, there are. Now, here's what Aaron was to do with the live goat. And he shall lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over him all the sins of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat and send it away by the hand of a chosen man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities to a land in which no one lives. And he shall let the goat go in the wilderness. Okay. Now, 
Let's talk about sin for a little bit. Where does sin come from? Sin is the transgression of the law, correct? Yes, it is. Sin is also not obeying the voice of God. So it has to do with whatever he says as well. Because if God speaks, it is. Now let's go back to Adam and Eve in the garden. You know the account, but let's go back there, Genesis 3. Okay? When we get back here, we'll ask some questions. We'll see what happened. Okay? Now, how long Adam and Eve were taught by God before the serpent was let loose? We don't know. But he had to instruct them completely so they could make a choice. You can't make a choice unless you know the facts. So we're not told how long. Now then, Satan becomes, as we will see in a little bit, the author of all sin. So let's read it. Okay, Genesis 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Is it true God has said... Now, isn't that the way it always comes along? People question God, don't believe God, reject God, and then blame him for everything else. All right. Now, the woman answered correctly. And the woman said to the servant, we may freely eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Wages of sin is death. So if God has said it, that's the voice of God. That's the law of God. That's the commandment of God. And the serpent said to the woman, in dying, you shall not surely die. Ha! Contradicting God. Now let's ask a question. When you sin, do you die immediately? No, you don't. So Satan is lying and saying, you shall not surely die. Because it doesn't matter how long you live, but if you come to a certain point where you die, you die. So God set no time parameters on this. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes shall be opened and you shall become like God, deciding good and evil. Now then, this tells us that 
Adam and Eve had to have enough knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong, of what to do and what not to do. See? And their free moral agent, they could choose to follow God, believe God, keep his word. Now, if they chose to go their own way, that's a different thing. Let's understand how this transpired, because this affects all of us today. Okay? So deciding good and evil, you can make up your own mind what's good and evil. You don't have to listen to God. How many people do that today? I don't believe in God, but Bible is full of lies. Well, the reason it's full of lies is because you don't obey the word of God to have understanding. There are no lies in it, but there are lies to the ungodly because they don't believe it, because they want to live their way and do their way and do their thing. All right, verse 6, looks can be deceiving. Things that sounds good to start with may not end up being good in the long run. Huh? Isn't that true? Verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasing to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, at the point that she picked it, Adam could have said, Eve, drop that fruit. Don't touch it. Get away from it. Then we would not have the penalty of Adam passed on to all his descendants. Because it says, by one man sin entered into the world. So Eve was deceived and she picked the fruit and ate. But Adam could have stopped it right at that point because he was the head of his wife. All right? And the eyes of both of them were open. Not open to see good, but open to see evil. And they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together to make coverings for themselves. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Well, you can't go hide from God anywhere. Okay. Now notice. Notice. God knew what happened. He understood what was going on. And the Lord called Adam and said, where are you? And he said, I heard you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I am naked and so I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Isn't that something? Now, spiritually, that means 
no protection from sin. Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, rather than repent, like everything else, you blame someone else. So here, in effect, Adam blamed God. And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Okay. Now, the moral of this whole lesson is we are responsible when it comes to the words of God and the laws of God to do them properly. See? Verse 14, and the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed above all livestock, above every animal of the field, and you shall go on your belly, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Does God judge Satan? Yes. Was this sin inspired by Satan? Yes. Did Adam and Eve have the responsibility to make the right choice? Yes. Did they make the right choice? No. So who's involved in the sin? Satan, Eve, and Adam. And that helps us to begin to unlock the mystery of the goat for Azazel. Let's continue on. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between you and her seed. And this is the prophecy of Christ coming as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. All right? And to the woman. Now, everyone, look at the world today. Is the world suffering from the penalty of sin because they're going their own way? Well, we'll see who's responsible for that in just a minute. Okay? And to the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your sorrow and your conception and sorrow shall you bring forth children. Your desire shall be to your husband and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you've hearkened to the voice of your wife and you've eaten of the tree of which I commanded you saying you shall not eat of it. The ground is cursed for your sake in sorrow. Shall you eat of it all the days of your life? All right. Sorrow for both. And it shall bring forth thorns and thistles to you, and you shall eat the herbs of the field. 
In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And that's the same that happens to all. Yes, indeed. Okay. It says, in Adam, we all die. Okay. It also says that we're going to be judged. Now then, let's begin to answer the question about the lies of Satan which affect humanity and they sin. He sins in causing people to sin. And when they choose to sin, they're responsible for their choices. But is Satan going to get off scot-free? Huh? No. Okay. Let's look at some scriptures here. Let's come to the New Testament. You see, this is why we need the whole Bible, because not everything is contained in one place. And the explanation of some of these things are very detailed, and some of them are not explained until you, you get to Revelation, the 20th chapter, as I pointed out here recently. 1 John 3 and verse 8. Now listen. Satan, whether we know it or not, is involved in all human sin. If people who don't repent and commit the unpardonable sin lose their life, What's going to happen to Satan who started it all? All right, let's read it. 1 John 3 and verse 8. The one who practices sin is of the devil. See? The devil is involved. And that's what we're going to see the live goat of Leviticus 16 takes care of. And it does represent Satan. And it does have connection with sin. All right? Read that statement again. The one who practices sin is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And what was the devil's first sin? To cause a third of the angels to rebel against God and follow him. And he wanted to be like the Most High. Now, we'll find some other things about Satan here in just a minute. Satan has been sinning from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God has appeared that he might destroy the works, the works of Satan. Okay? What are the works of Satan? Causing the angels to sin? Causing mankind to sin. All right? Now, Let's look at another one. Let's come over here to 1 John chapter 5. 
Verse 17, 1 John 5. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin that is not unto death. In other words, a sin that can be repented of. Okay? We know that anyone who is begotten by God does not practice sin. Notice it doesn't say, does not sin. Does not practice it. Does not live in it. Okay? For the one who has been begotten by God keeps himself by the power of God, and the wicked one does not touch him. Now, who is the wicked one? Satan the devil. Brethren, this is why we pray every day. See? And what do we say? Deliver us from the evil one, right? Yes. We know that we are of God. Now listen to this next sentence. And that the whole world lies in the power of the wicked one. Huh. Is he responsible for all the sins in the world, everywhere in the world? Answer, yes. Are all the people sinning? Have their own responsibility in the sins that they sin and the choices that they make? Yes. Now let's read a verse we probably read many, many, many times over. Revelation 12 and verse 9. To show that Satan, as the author of sin, is involved in all the sins of everybody from the time of Adam and Eve, clear down to the return of Jesus Christ. And we need to understand that. And God is righteous and God will judge and all of those sins will be put on Satan the devil and that's what the goat of Azazel is all about as we will see. Let me read this verse. Revelation 12 and verse 9. And a great dragon was cast out. Ha! Does that tie in with the serpent in Genesis 3? Yes, indeed. The ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, who is deceiving the whole world. Now that means the whole world at any one time, but the whole world down through time as well. Do you think God is not going to judge for the sins of Satan? Do you not think that God is going to lay those on Satan the devil? And where some people say that the goat of Azazel has nothing to do with Satan. Well, the answer comes from reading the prophecies and understanding. Here's part of it right here. Now notice what he does. 
deceiving the whole world. He was cast down to the earth and his angels with him. And I heard a great voice from heaven say, Now has come the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ, because the accuser of our brethren, the accuser, Satan accuses us. Notice, Satan has access to God. That's why the goat is brought to the door. He's not brought inside, but he's brought to the door because he has access to God. Okay? The accuser of our brethren is cast down who accuses them day and night before our God. Now, Think on that. This is what Satan is actively doing all of the time. And how many times do we go about our business and we don't understand the difficulties and problems of the things that are there? And how many times that we come along and we do things that are not really right with God because it looks right or it sounds right or it appears right, but it's not right. And we find out afterwards that sin and we have to repent. All right? Let's take a break, and we'll be back to finish the rest of the Day of Atonement. Okay, now let's continue. Let's come to the book of Job, and we will see that Satan has access to God and gets permission from God to do things. And let's pick it up here in verse 5, chapter 1. Let's see how this goes. When the days of feasting were concluded, Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of all of them. And Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and have cursed God in their heart, thus Job did continually. Now, let's understand something. You cannot forgive someone else's sins. Even if you offer offerings for them, if there is no repentance by the person involved in confessing his own sins, because when his sin offering was made, the sinner had to make the offering, and he had to lay his hand on on the goat that was the atonement goat for his sins and confess his sins. See? Just like with us today. If we don't confess our sins, there's no forgiveness. See? And lots of times we do things that are sin and we don't really understand their sin until after we have done them. Well, we still repent. Okay? Now notice this. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Yes, he's going around seeing who he can send. Okay. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in all the earth, 
a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and turns away from evil. Okay? Well, you might ask the question, well, why did God try him then in the way that he did? Because Job was so righteous, he didn't give God the credit for righteousness. See? And he worshipped himself and his works and thought that he was more righteous than God. So this is why he did it. But the point is here. God and Satan converse. What does it say in Revelation? He accuses us day and night before God. Right? So this is what Satan did here. You know the rest of the story. All right? Now, let's come to Mark, the fourth chapter. Let's see what else Satan does. Mark, the fourth chapter. Satan can do a lot of things. Okay? Mark 4 and verse 14. The sower sows the word, verse 14. Now the ones by the way where the word was sown, these are the ones who hear. They hear. Now notice, but Satan comes at once and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. Is that not a sin against those people? Is Satan not going to have to bear his own sins? It was a sin for the person to turn away from God. But Satan was the one who inspired it. All right? Let's see something else about Satan the devil. Let's come to 2 Corinthians. Come to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's see what he does, which is also his sin, and the people who follow along with it are sinning because Satan has interfered in their life and caused them to sin. Okay? Now notice. Let's pick it up right here in verse 1 because this tells us a lot of what has to be with the ministry and what we do. And I'm here to tell you, brethren, and to tell all of the elders all together, we all have a responsibility to God to uphold the truth and to preach the truth and to teach the truth and not our own ideas. Now, that's why, as I've shown you, I have a cowbell. Because if you think about something, it may or may not be right. So when I'm preaching, I think of something that I don't understand or whatever. I ring the cowbell to let people know that this is not the dogma of the word of God. Okay. Now, here's what Paul says along that line. Therefore, having this ministry, according as we have received mercy and are not faint hearted. 
for we have personally renounced the hidden things of dishonest gain. And where did dishonest gain come? From Satan the devil. Not walking in cunning craftiness, that's from Satan the devil. Not handling the word of God deceitfully, that comes from Satan the devil. But by manifestation of the truth, see there it is right there, we must be strong for the truth. Not our ideas, not our thoughts, none of those matter. Who are we to tell God what to do? Who is anyone to tell God what to do? Who is anyone to take the word of God and make it into something that it isn't? We are commending ourselves to every man's conscience before God. But if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden from those who are perishing. Now, how is it hidden? By the sin of Satan, the devil, in the lives of those who are doing that. Verse 4, in whom the God of this age. Here, Satan is called Theos. Same word for God. That's why we have two identical goats. And that's why God makes the choice for his sacrifice for the sins of the people and lays that upon the head of the goat for sacrifice for sin. And that's a type of Christ who what? We'll see that in a minute. In whom the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. See? If you don't believe the word of God, and if you change the word of God, and if you manufacture something out of the word of God, which is not true, you are sinning. I don't care who you are, where you are, what your position is. It makes no difference. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. For we have not preached ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants. Okay? So there's how Satan works. Okay? He blinds. That's sinning. Let's see something else. Let's come to Ephesians, the second chapter. And this is important. This is New Testament. Ephesians, the second chapter. Now remember, it says that Satan has deceived the whole world and that the whole world is in the power of the evil one, Satan the devil. All right? How does he do that? And how does that still affect our lives even today? Let's think about it for a minute. How much do we have in our minds today, especially today, with all the digital and visual and, and all of the things that we have today? All right? Okay? That's why he's called the prince of the power of the air. And what is he busy doing? Well, it says the whole world lies in the power of the wickedness. It says the whole world had been deceived by him. All right? Well, how about us? 
Well, he wants to come after us. We'll see that in just a little bit. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. Now you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you walked in time past according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan, the devil. The spirit. It's a spiritual operation that is now working within the children of disobedience. Okay? Now, what is Satan doing? He's broadcasting things. He's appealing things. Look at what he has to work with. Look at all the television. Look at all of the internet. Look at all of the Facebook. Look at all of these things. And we have so much sin surrounding us. It's amazing that we can keep the commandments of God. Okay. Now notice verse 3. Among whom also we all once had our conduct in the lust of our flesh, doing the things willed by the flesh. Oh, that's a good idea. Huh? Just because you think of it doesn't mean it's anything. Will by the flesh and by the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as the rest of the world. Okay? Now that's how Satan works. All right? Let's look at chapter 6. That's what we are to be on guard against. And while we're turning to chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians, I want you to remember in Revelation 2 and 3 that Satan is involved in coming after every single church. That's why we have the Day of Atonement. That's why we fast. And that's why the goat for Azazel is Satan. So his final judgment will be upon him for all his sins. Okay. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And that's what we need to do. What age do we have today? Oh, we have the compromised Laodiceans, right? And how many of them are really converted? Only God knows, okay? Be strong in the Lord and the might of his strength. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Huh? Is he there trying to make us sin? Yes. Is the sacrifice of Christ going to cover the sins of Satan, the devil? No. Okay. Because we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the world rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual power of wickedness in high places. And that's what's going on right now in the world big time. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to resist the evil day and having worked out all things to stand. Don't be giving in, okay? Now, let's look at a couple of other things. Let's come to Acts, the fifth chapter. 
Can Satan put it in people's hearts and mind to sin? Yes, that's what he does. And he's got a lot of helpers. Okay, let's read it. Acts, the fifth chapter. And this is about Ananias and Sapphira. And they came back and they lied to Peter. Okay. Let's notice, let's notice what Peter said. Now, and then we'll look at some of the experience of Peter. Because he experienced some of these things before the crucifixion and resurrection. But let's read what he says here. But Peter said, Ananias, why did Satan fill your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Can Satan put things in your mind? Yes. That is his sin against you. And unless you resist and get rid of it, then you will sin. All right? Let's see how he, he worked with Peter. Okay? Let's first of all come to Matthew 16. Now, this is quite interesting because of what occurred here. So Jesus asked them, who do people say that I am? They gave the various answers. Okay. Verse 15, and he said to them, but you... All of you here, who do you declare me to be? Then Simon Peter, now notice, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Here he is, inspired of God the Father. And then Jesus said he's going to build his church upon himself. And the whole thing of binding and loosing is another subject, but it's not as the Catholics teach. Now let's see what happened just a little bit later. Matthew 16 and verse 21. From that time... Jesus began to explain to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and to suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and to be killed and to be raised the third day. Now notice, here's a good thought of Peter. All right? He's going to defend Jesus. Okay? Now, he probably thought that was a really good thought, but we're going to see where did that thought come from because a lot of things that come to us that sound like good thoughts are not from God. Let's see what Jesus said. After taking him aside, Peter personally began to rebuke him, saying, Now, Rebuking the Son of God? Huh? Telling him, well, you shouldn't really think that. that they're not going to do that to you. Saying, God will be 
favorable to you, Lord, in no way shall this happen to you. He's going to try and make it not happen when every prophecy in the Bible is there saying that it will happen. Now notice Jesus' response. Then he turned and said to Peter, Get you behind me, Satan! Huh! Right there where the disciples were. Satan, the devil, inspiring a thought of how good it would be. I will protect the Lord. I... I will see in another place that Peter really had a problem with his own ego. Now, God still used him after he was converted. Okay. Now, notice what he says. Get you behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me because your thoughts are not in accord with the things of God. Let's understand that, especially when it comes to preaching and to teaching and to explaining the word of God. See, It must be in accord with the word of God. If it's not, it's going to lead to trouble. Okay? Your thoughts are not in accord with the things of God, but with the things of men. All right? Now, let's come to Luke 22. Very interesting. Read this. Okay? This is why we need to really hold fast to the word of God. Luke 22. And this he told him on the, on the Passover night. Okay? And let's see what happened here in verse 31. Luke 22 and verse 31. Then the Lord said, Simon, Simon, listen well. Satan has demanded to have you. Think about that. Satan wanted the apostle Peter. Boy, wouldn't that be convenient? To set up the false system in Rome? To have the real Peter? Ooh. Satan has demanded to have you to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Now notice how Peter responded. Now he's going to learn a real lesson here. Okay. Now, when people do certain things, they may have to have certain lessons they need to learn which are really difficult indeed because they didn't follow what God wanted. Okay. Now here's Peter's answer. And he said to him, Lord, I'm ready 
to go with you both to prison and to death. Huh. True loyalty. Right? No. But he said, I tell you, Peter, the cock shall in no way crow today, that is, in that very night, before you have denied knowing me three times. Now, that's how Satan works, right? Is that not true? With all of that said, let's come back to Leviticus 16, and then we will see the beginning of the fulfillment of the banishment of Azazel in Revelation 20. Okay? Leviticus 16. Now let's see what was to happen here. Now we've covered everything so that you know for sure that you understand your sins are not just yours alone. There was another power involved in it, and that power was Satan the devil. Now, you and I and everybody else, when we repent, our sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, to answer another question, you can read this in 1 Peter, the second chapter. The goat to Azazel does not represent Christ taking our sins away because Christ bore them to the cross. And all sin of human activity comes to the cross and sacrifice of Christ and his shed blood and his scourged body and his mutilated body for the forgiveness of sin. And when it's forgiven, it is removed as far as the east is from the west. So, with the children of Israel, and to go to the sacrifice for their sins and all their transgressions, that forgave and covered those sins. But, all sin has another source. And that is Satan the devil. That's why the goat of Azazel. And here is why it happens this way. Okay? Verse 20, Leviticus 16. And when he has made an end of reconciling the sanctuary and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, okay, they've all been sanctified. They've all been forgiven. They've all been cleansed through the sin offerings that were given. Now then, here's what Aaron does. To the live goat, and Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over him all the sins of the children of Israel. Why? Was it because they weren't forgiven with the blood that was sprinkled by the priest in the Holy of Holies? Well, they were forgiven at that point. 
But what is the meaning of this to confess the sins of the children of Israel? The only answer is Satan, the devil, and his involvement in our lives and our sins. Okay? Putting them on the head of the goat and shall send it away by the hand of a chosen man into the wilderness. Okay? Now here's the key. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities because he caused them. When we repent, they are forgiven. But Satan's part is upon him, and since he will not die, he must be disposed of in another way. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities to a land in which no one lives. Now, there's no way you can, you can at this point, in the word of God, show that Satan's going to be removed into the blackest darkness of nothing forever. But this is the closest that you come to it. Satan is a spirit being. He's living. He has caused all sin everywhere. Okay. Bear upon him all the transgressions to a land which no one lives, and he shall let the goat go in the wilderness. And Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall strip off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the sanctuary and leave all of them there. And he shall wash his flesh with water in the holy place because he had the sin of all Israel in his hands on the head of the goat and put on his garments and come forth and offer his burnt offering, the burnt offering for the people and make an atonement for himself and the people. So now all the sins are covered. Satan's part is removed. And now we are there before God. Okay. And the fat of the sin offering shall he burn upon the altar. And that finishes the sin offering for the remission of sins, which God forgives. And he will let the goat go for Azazel, the one who did, shall wash his clothes, bathe his flesh with water, and afterward come into the camp. Okay? Now, then what they did with all the sin offerings, the bull offering, the goat offering, the blood, and everything that was made an atonement in the holy place, shall be carried forth outside the camp, and they shall burn their skins in fire and their flesh in dung. Now, where was Jesus crucified? Outside the camp. So here, all the sin, everything about all sin with human beings is covered by the sacrifice and blood of Jesus Christ outside the camp. And he who burns them shall wash his clothes, bathe his flesh in water, and afterwards come into the camp. And this shall be a statute forever to you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work. 
whether it be one of you of your own country or a stranger who is living among you. On that day, an atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you so that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It shall be a Sabbath of rest to you, and you shall afflict your souls by statute forever. Now, we need to answer one question. What does it mean to afflict your soul? Some people say, well, that doesn't mean to fast. Yes, it means to fast. It means to fast and also yield yourself to God. Let's come to Psalm 35 and verse 13. Okay? And this is why on the Day of Atonement, we humble ourselves with fasting for forgiveness of sin, for cleansing of sin. Now, follow the way that this happened. Your sins are forgiven, but you need to be cleansed of that sin because there's a residual amount within you, in your mind and whatever. So the cleansing, how does that come? It comes with the washing of the water of the word. See? That's how I come. That's how we overcome sin. That's how we overcome Satan, the devil. All right? Now notice. Verse 13. And when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled. Now the Hebrew can also mean afflict. I afflicted my soul with fasting. So when it says we are to afflict ourselves on the Day of Atonement, it means we are too fast. And my prayer returned into my own bosom. Okay? God will hear and God will answer. Okay? Back to Leviticus 16. We'll finish it here. Okay? So, the goat. Nope, we have to go to Revelation 20. We'll finish Leviticus 16 and Revelation 20. Okay? And the priest whom you shall anoint, verse 32, and whom he shall consecrate to minister in a priest's office in his father's stead shall make atonement and shall put on the linen garments and the holy garments and make an atonement for the holy sanctuary. And he shall make an atonement for the tabernacle of the congregation and for the altar and make an atonement for the priest and for all the people of the congregation. Now, let's add one thing here. You cannot be at one with God the way God wants us to be at one with him until Satan is put away. Now, we will see in Revelation 20. Let's turn there and we'll finish. Satan bears all of his own sins. All of the sins that he committed against the people that he inspired. Okay? Revelation 20. So here we see the fulfillment of the goat taken to the place in the wilderness. Okay? The first part before the millennium can begin. 
Satan must be removed. He's not going to be around there to inspire sin. And also we read in Ezekiel 36 that God is going to give the people a new heart and a new mind. The penalty of Adam and Eve will be removed, which came from obeying Satan. Okay. Revelation 20 and verse 1. Then I saw an angel descending from heaven, having the key of the abyss. Now, where the abyss is and what it is, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. And a great chain in his hand. And he took hold of the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. That's the first step of Satan's carrying his own sins. Okay? To be bound. We'll have to wait until the end of the Feast of Tabernacles for the rest of the story. And he cast him into the abyss and locked him up and sealed the abyss over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were fulfilled. So God has one more mission for Satan. Now, we'll cover that when we come to the last great day. Okay. And after that, it is ordained he must be loose for a short time. Okay. The God plan shows clearly in the unveiling of prophecy that the Azazel goat is not Christ. He bore all our sins to the cross. Satan's sins must be removed. There is no sacrifice for him. There is no forgiveness for him. But he must be removed. And we will see that after the great white throne judgment, that he's going to be removed to the blackest darkness forever and with all the demons with him. So that's the meaning of the Day of Atonement and the mystery of the two goats. Because you see, as long as Satan is around, mingling with people on the earth and deceiving them, There is no end of sin. That's why the Azazel goat is led away and let go in the wilderness, a type of Satan being removed and put somewhere in the vastness of this universe, confined in the blackest, Darkness forever. 